Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. I'm Dalton Del Don. Andy Barons is sipping Mai Tais in Maui somewhere, but I'm excited. That means we have Josh Lloyd here. He's the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, lead analyst for Basketball Monster. He also works with our friends at Yahoo Sports Australia. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Dalton. How are you? Doing well. I could be wrong because I'm confused. You're, you're in Australia and you might be in the future, but I believe it was your birthday yesterday. Yes, Josh? It was my birthday two days ago. Two days. See, I told you I'm thrown off. But uh, Ye- Yesterday for you. Right. Well, happy birthday, Josh. Excited to talk to you about hoops. I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you. But before we get started... Let's take a moment to remember Kobe Bryant. Um, our thoughts are go out with all the families that are dealing with the loss. I mean, just a horrible tragedy. Um, and for those of you who play on, on Yahoo, you might have seen that we added Kobe to the player pool. So let's bring in Guy Lake, product lead for Yahoo Fantasy. First off, welcome, Guy, and uh, talk about Kobe and, and how you got the idea of entering him to the fantasy pool. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, Dalton. Um, when really it wasn't our idea, to be perfectly honest, it was we customer our, our customer care agents are on places like Reddit and Twitter all you know all day long, twenty four seven, and we started getting feedback um, you know, the day we got the news about like could we you know as as a gesture add him into the game? And according to some of the you know Reddit threads that I followed, a lot of people didn't think we were even going to do it. Um, they were just like, well, I put it out there and we'll see what happens. And as soon as I came in on uh, on Monday morning, we're like, yeah, of course, that's the that's the, exactly the right thing to do. And so we just, you know, added his player ID, and I pushed the button, and then he was added into the game, and he showed up on, on Tuesday morning, and the response has been pretty positive. You know, I think it's impressive, so I've been happy to do it. Yeah, I've gotten positive feedback on Twitter, too. How, what's the number up to? How many pickups? So right now he's owned in total by 3% of all teams. Um, and so we have about 1.3 million teams in fantasy basketball. So call it 30, you know, 39, 40,000 teams have picked him up. Uh, just today he's been added. Well, let me just do so. As of right now, which I haven't refreshed my browser, it's um, 4,725. I'm going to do a quick refresh and see how many people have added him since then. And now it's 4,000. Um, 734 so that's nine people since the last time i refreshed so it's been it's a constant drumbeat he's the second most added player today after cam reddish who's been hitting the three ball pretty well recently so makes sense that cam would be there but yeah he's the second most added player overall on yahoo fantasy right now that's crazy the second most overall well it's cool though i mean it does bring up some tell us more you had some thoughts backstage just how this brings up you know loyalty versus fantasy and all that yeah, so I mean, something that you hear a lot about, you know, those who've been playing fantasy for a long time, and if you try to convince friends to play, one of the things you'll hear people push back on is like, "Well, I don't know. I want to be able to root for my team. I want to be able to root for my Lakers, my Warriors, my Celtics, my Bulls, and I can't root against them if I have a player on a fantasy team, you know, who's playing against my team. I can't do it. So you can always be a homer and draft. Your friends will likely take advantage of you if that happens. But um, I think what this Kobe thing shows is that. You don't have to make that choice and that you can be loyal to a player. I mean, Kobe's literally going to score zero points for you. He can't do anything for your team from a purely fantasy point. But that's not why people are adding Kobe Bryant. They're adding him because of what he he meant over his 19-year career in the NBA. Uh, it was just so much, you know. And I think this, you know, very likely a lot of the people who are playing our game maybe never even owned Kobe, you know, when he was actually an active player in our ecosystem. Um 
and yet here they are, you know, adding him by the tens of thousands over the last couple of days. It's 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 amazing. So to me, it's it's one of those things where you don't have to necessarily choose between the loyalty to a player or a team and play fantasy. This is an opportunity to celebrate a player and a, and a cultural moment, um, you know, one of a lot of grief um, and still, you know, play a game that you love. Yeah, for sure. I read that uh, Kobe's 81-point game against the Raptors in 06 would have gotten you more than 100 fantasy points in the Yahoo DFS game. So that would have been a, a good one. But um, all right, guy, thanks for uh, joining us. And do you have any other, do you have any final uh, Kobe thoughts? It's all just so crazy and just, I still, it's taking forever to even grasp. It's, it's rough. One more thing that I'll, I'll just call it that someone reached out to me and, and told me about was that Kobe's very last game where he scored 61 points pushed them to the championship in the points category. And so while some people who are fans of effective field goal percentage may not have been cheering for him to be continuing to shoot as much as he did to earn those points, uh, there's at least one person who won their championship as a direct result of the volume that he put up that night. I thought that was a pretty cool story. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, guy. Appreciate it, man. Good to catch up. And good. Appreciate the I – mean, it's a good, good call, even in the de- – entering Kobe back in the database, too. I like that. Josh, do you have any uh, Kobe thoughts? I mean, uh, he was the closest thing to me as MJ as far as just a competitor, man, just would not lose. I mean, the, my memory of the four air balls as an 18-year-old against the Jazz, you know, in the playoffs, supposedly flew to L.A. that night and was in the gym to 4 a.m. I mean, what a competitor. Do you have any, any Kobe thoughts? The main thing that when you know, when this news broke, obviously the sadness, and then I went back and was looking at sort of his fantasy output over over the years, um, because that's sort of, you know, what we what we do, um, and it was just remarkable consistency. And even back like the, the twelve thirteen season at the age of thirty four, like he was the sixth ranked player in fantasy over that time. He played thirty nine minutes a game, averaged twenty seven points at the age of thirty four, like that. Outside of LeBron, like it's pretty much unheard of for a guy to be doing that at that level at that age. Uh, as well, and I think another thing that's underrated about what Kobe we hear oh he's a ball hog, he's a chucker, but he averaged six assists a game in that season, and that's not something that you know, when he wanted to pass like he could do it, but it, it always seemed to go under the radar with his game because people focused on the the shots and the you know, the three on one triple team, you know, tough fadeaways, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, he could pass and he could do those things when he wanted to, and it reflects in all his numbers. Yeah, for sure, fantasy monster. One cool story. I guess as a 16-year-old in Philly, he beat Jerry Stackhouse in one-on-one. And Stackhouse had obviously probably didn't take that too well. But um, well, actually, one thing before we get to the star, starting five, Josh, is they changed the all-star format. This kind of just came out before we started recording, uh, basically to honor uh, Kobe. You want to touch on that and your thoughts on that? I, I don't actually have a problem with it. A lot of people seem to be confused about the changes, how they're resetting the score at the end of uh, each quarter and sort of doing a, a charity um, donation to to the winners' charity based on how you know, they they go in each quarter and then adding that all up at the end of the third and then it's the first to twenty four uh, on top of whatever the leading score was. So if it's one hundred to ninety nine, then first team to one hundred and twenty four wins. I didn't find it all that confusing. I think whatever they can do to I- improve the the charity donation is great and competitive is is fine. But I I don't really see a problem with them trying those things. Nothing. It doesn't seem like it might seem overly complicated, but in practice, it's not going to be overly complicated at all. Yeah, the only thing that jumped out at me is it seemed like it's going to be a quick fourth quarter, which I'm not sure the league would like. But um, obviously, number 24, so you need that. But uh, all right, good stuff with Kobe and obviously very, very sad. And that's just it's horrible, man. I just still I can't believe it. It happened if a guy like that, you know, 41 and his physical peak, man, it's just, just jarring to, to see that happen. Um, all right, let's get to our starting five. Uh, Wednesday's action, uh, I guess probably the biggest news is Victor Oladipo's return. 
He was 0 for 6, I believe, from 3 until hitting one late to send the game to overtime. Uh, Aaron Holiday was a healthy DNP. Jeremy Lamb, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, what, what's your takeaway from Oladipo's return? Obviously, he's going to be on a minutes restriction, but uh, what are your thoughts on this, Josh? Yeah, look, it's pretty common for guys coming back from lower body injuries to not have that lift in their legs and be really yeah, rough with the shooting percentages. It happens all the time from guys coming back from ACL injuries. We saw it with Levine when he came back and Jabari Parker had that problem. Achilles injuries, it impacts your overall field goal percentage generally as well. And while Oladipo didn't have an ACL or an Achilles, like he had a significant you know, quad tendon tear, which is a similar sort of thing. So I'm not surprised that he was rough in terms of shooting. Uh, he's going to be on that 24-minute limit up until the All-Star break. And, and coming off the bench. So it's going to be a rough hold for him. And it's been, uh, you know, obviously quite a long time since he's been returning. So that draft pick, depending on when you got him, could be a, could be a tough one to uh, to have dealt with just because of how long he's been out. And now we're dealing with a guy that probably won't be even a top 100 player up until after the All-Star break. But it's great to see him back out there to hit that game time three as well. There's just going to be some uh, some rough shooting moments, I would imagine, up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, too bad Andy's not here. We always talk about our favorite Bulls coach. I guess he was like arguing last night to get Sabonis. Or he wanted Warren to shoot the free throws, a better free throw shooter. But I just, again, the gift that keeps on giving there. But so you're not too worried about Malcolm Brogdon if you're, if you're a, a, an owner of him? Um, look, not particularly. Look, he was a little bit low usage in this game, but it's not something that we can you know, really extrapolate after one game. I'd be more worried about someone like Jeremy Lamb or someone like TJ Warren, whose game is almost exclusively based on his yeah. usage, uh, whereas Brogdon could do other things. Like, he can get some steals. He can go go out there and get eight or nine assists as he did in that game when Oladipo returned. But someone like Warren, where it's all just usage, or someone like Lamb, where he's just going to lose a ton of minutes, they're the guys who are probably going to drop off the most. Even someone like Sabonis could suffer a little bit of a hit as well. But I think Brogdon could get by as a lower usage guy, as he did in Milwaukee for uh, those years. Number two, Alfred Payton, the flagrant foul on Jay Crowder. Some interesting quotes afterward. I just recorded a video saying Payton. I don't know why he was available in so many as only owned in 39% of leagues. He's just been locked in as a starting point guard there. I think it was eighth straight game with seven assists. But uh, do you see any ramifications from that? Any suspensions? And also a Mitchell Robinson sighting in this game. Seven stocks. Is that guy ever going to get to start or what? I'll start with Peyton. Uh, I do think he'll get suspended. It was obviously a really dangerous act. Um, look, if you don't want someone to shoot threes on you because you're down 20, look, don't get down 20. I, I've got no... I just don't, I don't get it. I, don't, I know about the unwritten rules. Unwritten rules are garbage nearly all of the time, and this is another one of those instances to me. I also agree with you. I don't know why he's sitting on so many waiver wires. Look, there is the possibility he gets traded. There's a possibility they do anything. But most of the Knicks' decisions, decision-making has been pretty illogical throughout the last... 40 years or so. So it's hard to get a full grasp on that. As for Mitchell Robinson, that just goes back to the decision-making. Now, the last two games have been really impressive for him. He also had, uh, I think, the two games ago, he had a usage of 3% in that game. So that's obviously a little bit of a concern there. But getting those uh, block numbers, but it's all just about minutes. And I don't understand the fascination with playing Taj Gibson ahead of him. I don't understand why Bobby Portis would get minutes. Foul trouble, no problem. Like, if he's got foul trouble and he gets 5,015 minutes, what can you do about it? But when he's sitting on 2,000 playing 20 minutes, like that's ridiculous. That's horrible coaching. That's horrible organizational influence is what my guess is because they're trying to boost Taj Gibson's value. And I don't know who is falling for the fact that, man, I've got to have Taj Gibson because he's starting for the Knicks as they lose every game by 40 points. There's no real common sense behind it. I do think, though, because I think that's part of their thought process that we will see after the deadline when they can't fool anybody into thinking that these guys are world beaters, that we will see Robinson push more into that 27 to 30 mark versus 20 to 24 minutes. 
Yeah, I think maybe Peyton might even be available in more leagues if he gets suspended a game or two, probably will be dropped. So I would add him and, and the Robinson thing is, yeah, that's just remains insane. And he should hopefully start the second half. Uh, number three, uh, let's talk Mike Conley. Is it time to drop him? Kind of another empty 20 minutes off the bench. I think he's already been ruled out for Thursday night's game, maybe a load management issue. Shooting 19% from three in January. Where are the steals? Just uh, pretty pretty bad. Tough time in Utah and those point guards. Uh, what are you doing with Conley? I think some of it depends on where you are in the standing. So if you're sitting pretty in the top two, then you just hold on to him because you're probably going to make the playoffs. And if you get a loss over the next week, like who cares? Like you're going to make those playoffs and you see what happens. But my confidence in Conley becoming decent, it's not high. Like they're rolling with him on the bench. So I think that probably until the break, he just plays like a 20, 23 minute bench role. Maybe they don't reinsert him as a starter, although Ingles has been struggling a little bit lately, but I, I don't really see the impetus for him to go in there and play 32 minutes. He, he can't finish at the rim anymore. He looks busted. It's it's a real concern in any sort of shallow leagues. I think you have to look at him as a drop guy. And if you're battling for a playoff spot and every win, every week, every matchup is super important, you can't be holding a guy that's barely cracking the top 200. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Just depends on what league you're in. But 81% owned still in Yahoo. And man, he's just been a, a, a total disaster. So um, yeah, if you're the right league, he definitely can be dropped. Um, number four, I'm sticking that same game. DeMar DeRozan, career high, 38 points. Of course, came with zero threes. Interesting how he's just not followed a teammate Aldridge in attempting those threes. But doesn't matter. Fantasy owners, number eight fantasy player in nine cat leagues over the last month. Um, thoughts on DeRozan. Uh, there's no Aldridge in this game and Jakob Hurdle kind of disappointed DFS players, but, uh, any thoughts on DeRozan? I'm going to actually ask you more about point guards in this game, but uh, first DeRozan. DeRozan's uh, an interesting one because, he, look, he's on this really hot streak of shooting numbers where he's you know, hitting 50 55%, which he's never been a 50% shooter throughout his career. So you do get the feeling there is going to be somewhat of a drop-off, but this is like a month, five, six weeks you know, going at a time here where he's you know, knocking in you know, huge usage with you know, 55 56% shooting. He's also doing it by bumping his assist numbers up as well, and it doesn't really matter that much that the threes aren't there. I, I still think there is going to be some of a drop-off from DeRozan because I find it hard to imagine he continues to be a 55-56% mid-range shooter, which is almost an unparalleled type of number. So that gives me somewhat of a scare in terms of what he's currently doing and how unsustainable it is. Because when a, when a guy's sitting here six, seven percentage points better than you know, career best field goal numbers, then you do have to look at it as a, with a bit of a, uh, I guess, a critical eye and think, well, is this going to stick or is this just a, a four-week, five-week hot streak? Yeah, it's just it's so frustrating. He won't take a couple feet back, a step back, and hit the attempt more threes. But what I want to ask you, Josh, about the other point guards, the San Antonio point guards, it has just been a problem if you've been trying to predict which one between Murray and White in a DFS nightly basis. Man, is there any method to this madness? And um, it's just been so frustrating. Uh, there's no way of being able to predict it because Derek White was playing fantastically. He had like four or five games in a row, 28 minutes every night. I went, all right, cool. I think we're here now. White's going to get these minutes off the bench. Again, it doesn't matter if you come off the bench or if you start. It matters if you get bench minutes or starters minutes. And White was pushing into that, and he was rolling. And the next game, he played 22 minutes. And then he played 22 minutes after that. And then Paddy Mills got 30 minutes. So it's really hard to predict what happens. Then Murray got 30 the next night. It's really hard to predict what happens. I think as a general thing, we're looking at Murray to get the majority of the minutes, the majority of the nights. But that's not going to be consistent. There's going to be these little white runs and then he's going to come out and play 20 minutes for four games and you drop him. So it is really frustrating. I just wish they'd play them together. I don't understand the complete refusal to do that. You could easily get both Murray and White, your two young, best young players on the team, 
to play 30 minutes a night. Like, this is not a hard equation. I don't need Bryn Forbes shooting 33% from three or 25 minutes of Marco Bellinelli or, you know, 30 minutes of Paddy Mills as much as I love him. We don't need that for a team that's on the periphery. But, hey, but let's see what our two best young players can actually do together. Super annoying they won't play them together. All right, one last thing on the Wednesday night's action. I want to finish up with uh, Damian Lillard's first career triple-double. Nice battle with Westbrook. He's having an insane month of January. Number one fantasy player over the last week. Number three over the last month. Averaging 4.7 threes in January. That's that's really all. But do you have any thoughts on Dame and just how how, how crazy he's... he's can you, I didn't realize there was another level, and clearly there has there is. Over the last six games, it's even more ridiculous. 44 points and seven threes a game he's making. Shooting wow. 50, 51%. Now, there's obviously things there which aren't going to stick. And it's not just the shooting, because he's averaging over nine assists and 1.2 steals, which doesn't seem crazy. But for Lillard, that's way above what he normally does. So there's a lot of things there that aren't going to be able to stick with what he's doing. But it's an insane role at the moment that he is on. And I think you just have to you really just ride it out from here on out and, and see you know, see where it goes. Because we all know, it, look, no one's going to continue to hit seven threes a game. Like, it's just not going to continue to happen. And he will drop off. But it's been a, a really... And he was, he was a little bit rough at the start of the season. There were some issues where his usage dropped off, his percentage dropped off. And there was times when he was like in the in the 20s in rankings and uh, he's obviously uh, resurrected his career and uh, well, career his uh, his fantasy season and is uh, absolutely on a roll yeah for sure what a run it's been for Lillard all right our number five I want your early thoughts on Zion Williamson um, mainly uh I'm going to talk more by lows with you but Brandon Ingram is uh, it's a very small sample but his usage rate has gone from about 30 percent to 21.9 with and without Zion. Uh, any worry with him, or do you consider him a buy low? And um, the other worry would be Derek Favors, because it seems to me that Zion's been most effective playing the five, but certainly been fun to watch from a fan. Okay, yeah, Favors is a bit of a worry, but he's still putting up you know, that low-end double-double, getting a block or, or two, or, or getting you know, 55%, 60% field goal, which is sort of what you expect from him. He, is, he did lose quite a few minutes the last game, but prior to that, he was 27, 28, 29, which is totally fine. The Ingram thing is, is the worry. There was always the concern with him that his shooting would drop off. Um, sure. But the way that it dropped off at the beginning of Zion's return was nothing to do with Williamson being there. So he was shooting like 20% on twos for about those four games, which made him that, yeah. that buy low guy. But not only the usage, Dalton, that we got to look at, his rebound rate has disappeared. Like he was getting yeah. you know, five, six rebounds a game, and he's at like three rebounds a game since Zion's been back. Like it is a huge difference. And while you can look at that, you can look at the shooting and go, well, he's not a 30% shooter. That's anomalous. But if he comes out and gets three rebounds a game playing next to Zion, I go, well, that's because Zion's a really good rebounder. Like it's a big difference with Ingram playing at the four versus him pushing to the three and Williamson and Favors grabbing every rebound. And that's where the worry is to me because if that rebound number gets cut in half, like that is a big, big ranking drop. And that is what I'm not as sure recovers. Plus, you know, two, three, four percentage point hit on his usage overall. Uh, it probably drops him down more from being that top 20 player into that 40 to 50-ish sort of range, I would guess, if those two things hold, which... I don't really see an argument as to why they won't. Yeah, and Ingrid's a tricky guy, too. If you try to trade him, I mean, people are aware that Zion exists now, you know. So, um, but what are your thoughts on watching Zion play? I mean, do you think, his, do you think he's going to be able to withstand? Is he going to be durable in the NBA? Is he going to be a first-round fantasy pick for the next five years? Yeah, I don't really have too many concerns. I know everyone's, oh, he's so, he's so big, he's going to hurt himself. But, you know, all that stuff's true. No one that big can, um, you know, survive without injuries. But also... When has we ever seen anyone who's that big who can actually jump that high or move that fast or be that athletic? Like those guys don't exist. So the fact that he is able to, I guess, push past the 
the stereotype of a, of a big lumbering guy and not be that guy, then why do the other negative stereotypes associated with you know, bigger players then apply to him? Maybe he's got that ability to not continually get injured because he's so heavy, because he does other things that would belie his overall body size and weight. All right, good stuff, Josh. Let's, I want to ask you about some of your buy lows that you recently talked about before we get into some pickups. Um, uh, before, the, I talked about, before we get to the guys you talked about, I'm going to throw one at you. James Harden did not just has not looked like himself recently. Do you think it's anything to worry about, or it's just the thigh issue that'll that'll go away in a couple days and and no problem? But certainly right now, you know, it's a bit of a hiccup. Yeah, look, he hasn't been great over the last period of time, but I am look. This guy has got such a long track record of being great that I don't think that we should let a two or three week you know, shooting slump paired with a thigh injury make us think, well, it's all over. Like he's finished. It's it's done because he, he just can't hit shots at the moment. He's shooting 15% on his threes over the last five games. Like that's just not a number that for any, look anybody in the NBA, look, DeMar Rosen's a better three-point shooter than that. Ben Simmons is a better three-point shooter than that. Like no one's a 15% three-point shooter. And yes, he takes a, a big volume, but when you take a big volume and they don't go in, that drops your overall production so significantly. And I talk about this all the time, but yeah, three-point percent in a category league and your, your category your league might not count three-point percentage and it probably doesn't but it's still an influencer in three separate categories like three-point percentage influences your points category it influences your three-pointers made category and it influences your field goal percentage category so if that drops off three categories take a hit if it pushes back up three categories get a boost so it's a huge influencer in short-term ranking value and harden's really sucking in that area so his numbers are, are way down that comes back to normal and then everything else just jumps back up. So I'm not all that worried. It is a good buy low opportunity. I am a bit worried about the thigh because he didn't look great yesterday. But yeah, I think overall when we get into the next two, three weeks, he has some time off across the all-star break. Wouldn't be surprised if he actually sat that one out depending on how that's feeling. Uh, I think it'll be fine afterwards. And with his sheer volume, any slump is just impacted so much. So yeah, I think Harden will be fine. So okay, De'Aaron Fox, uh, free throw percentage been off. Uh, no Bagley and Holmes. Weird uh, in the Wednesday night's game. Bialica put up a goose egg despite the opportunity. Uh, Bogey looked good. Um, talk about Fox and it's the whole King situation there. It's so weird. They were like dead last in pace, but they have uh, they have at least picked that up lately. Yeah, I. I- I think Luke Walton just isn't a good coach, and there's a lot of issues with that. But Fox and his free throws, like he's not a good free throw shooter. He never has been. He's a low 70s, which is okay. But when we're talking fantasy, we want guys 78 and above. Like that's that's good to us. Like 78, 77 is your league average, so you want it above. So anything under that is a drag on that category. He's going through a real slump from the line at the moment. Um, yeah, that'll correct itself, I would imagine, back into the 70s at some point. Uh, it's not good at this point. You know, the steals are nice. The assists are nice. He's you know, doing well with the scoring. But this whole team, there's just so much of a mess. Oh, let me throw this back onto you. Are you worried at all about Buddy Heald coming off the bench? Because he played 23 minutes in two of the three games that he's come off the bench. Yeah, I am worried. Yeah, what you spent on him, what we expected. Yeah, how can he not be worried about what he's doing right now? Yeah, I am. The production was good in two of them. Like, he had monster games. But time after, if you're playing 23 minutes a night instead of 34 yeah, minutes a night, it's going to be worse in the aggregate and he's already un- unhappy in that franchise the whole situation it's just weird man it's just top to bottom it's such such a mistake there and then with luca going just so berserk and bagley having a foot injury that's it's still an issue is just so 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 bad but fox owners you think you would you want you buy low though still you're still confident fantasy from here on out yeah i am i, I don't think there's too like I, I, again you'd want well, 
aren't banking on him to be an 80% free throw guy. That should push back up. And again, like three-point percentage, free throw percentage is another multi-category influencer. So he hits those and his free throw percentage goes back up. And his scoring also goes back up. So it's a double whammy. And that's an easy 20, 30, 40 ranking spot jump just by improving from 60 to 70%. Like that jumps up significantly. So I'm not all that worried about that. Okay, Steven Adams was another one of your buy lows. I expected more rebounds with Westbrook gone. Um, I'm Nerland's Noel guy, free him. But uh, Adams, you expect to have a better second half. What are your thoughts on him? Possibly a trade candidate too, maybe? I don't think he gets traded. The Well, the Thunder are playing so well at the moment. They are pushing yeah. for the playoffs. I don't think they're trying to sell guys off. Like who is yeah. buying a center that costs that much and what are they giving back in return? I think they're, they're two questions that are legitimate. And to find that answer there is probably not that easy. He is obviously struggling at the moment, had a hot streak and now has fallen back off again. Um, yeah, no, the uh, Adams is a, is a, all right, that's an interesting one. Um, what else? Kristaps uh, Porzingis is another guy I wanted to ask you about. Um, you liked him as another buy low opportunity. Yeah, well, I think at the moment, we're going to really see that come into play because Luka Doncic just hurt his ankle today. Yes. And yes. they're a little bit worried about it. They think it's similar to the one that cost him those you know, four or five games earlier in the season, about two weeks of action. And in that time, Porzingis went crazy. So he is returning from his own knee injury at the moment, which, and look, he's just not shooting well. Like 35% over the last two weeks is not going to cut it. Um, he's better than that pretty clearly. So, you know, you could get him back to 44, 45%, but we'll see that usage really spike up now. And if the shot starts to fall, then I think you'll see a, a run of you know, 20 and 10 games from Porzingis here. So before you know, anyone realizes that Doncic is hurt, I'm sure they do, but if they don't, try and acquire uh, KP at a uh, at a much cheaper uh, price than what you would normally. I think that would be a, it's it's definitely one to, to go on because that shooting is not going to stick at that low, I don't think. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully Luke is not sidelined too long. Um, thoughts on Jamal Murray, uh, obviously dealing with an injury himself, but the shooting was way down before, but you like to, you like to go after him now. Yeah. Again, it's about targeting guys who are injured and you can get them at the cheaper price, especially if that injured player is sitting on a team who's got multiple injuries or who's struggling and they're just like, I just need players to play. You can get them at cheaper prices there. And he is a guy historically who's had you know, pretty wild swings in his efficiency numbers. They'll be way down for three weeks and they'll be sky high. Then they, this is what happens with him. So you tie in the low shooting numbers along with the fact that he's not playing. Any guy who's out and not out for you know, 10 weeks or anything like that, you can obviously get them at a bit of a cheaper price as long as you can take a, a week's hit on the uh, the fact that you're going to be getting zeros for that time. But yeah, attacking a guy like that or trying to get a guy like that is probably the way to go just because you know, injured or distressed assets tend to uh, tend to have cheaper prices on them. Last uh, by low, another injured guy. I don't think very serious, but Miles Turner. Can he coexist with Sabonis? Uh, the whole Indiana situation, obviously Oladipo there. Uh, your thoughts on Turner? Definitely been a disappointment to, to the fantasy owners compared to his ADP. Yeah, well, there was always that huge risk to me with him. He was a guy that I was pretty skeptical of in draft season because so much of his, and people who tie themselves exclusively to rankings don't look at why it necessarily happened. And his ranking was that high because he was at like three blocks a game. So if that fell down from 2.7 to 2.1, that's it might not seem like much but that is a big ranking difference and he's got even worse in that area over the last five games just 1.4 blocks per game but like Porzingis he's not a 38% shooter he's not a 69% free throw shooter both of those things will come up I don't think he works very well with Sabonis at all and he's never going to reach back up to a 33 minute roll at a top 30 value peak while Sabonis is there but he can be better than what he has been just by improving those shooting numbers, uh, especially from the line where which that shouldn't be influenced by anybody else's presence uh, apart from confidence. 
All right, good stuff, Josh. There, buy lows. Let's talk some pickups. Um, we'll start with uh, my Warriors guy, Marquise Chris. Just fourteen percent owned on in, in Yahoo leagues. Colley Stein was traded. Uh, Draymond, uh, he seems kind of uninterested to play these days. What are your thoughts on the former lottery pick, Chris? Uh, thumbs up or down on adding him? I think you got to add him at this point. He's obviously got that starting job at this stage now. I don't know what's going to happen if Kevon Looney is actually still even alive at this stage. Chris has got that job over Spellman pretty clearly at this stage. Now he's not going to push into 30 minutes a night. It's going to be low 20s, and that might not get it done. And we've heard Kerr talk about, you know, we want Alan Smiley just to come in, we want Looney to come in, and if it's a four-man center rotation, that can get pretty rough. But for now, you add him, let's just see what happens. 25 a night, he can be a good permanent producer, and he seems to have cut down on some of the dumb tendencies he had when he was uh, with Phoenix. So if that can um, if that can continue along those... Uh, if the, those uh, that sort of track, then that is positive. But I wouldn't be putting huge amount of uh, hopes on him to be this you know, league-changing savior or anything off the wire. I am excited to see Smiley unleashed, but uh, yeah, Chris, you know, he's, he's not has avoided the foul trouble and the inconsistency a little bit, showing some uh, showing some signs. So for for those in deeper leagues, uh, more shallow leagues, I want to ask you a couple of uh, Detroit guys. Christian Wood, I believe it's a, a part of our requirement to mention him in every single podcast to stash. Another uh, nice game. And Reggie Jackson, uh, Derek Rose possibly traded. What do you think of those, about those Pistons adding them? I think uh, Derek Rose is, is almost not guaranteed to get traded, but pretty close to it. Jackson is playing well above his head. Look, this is not who he is. His usage is through the roof. He's hitting shots at a ridiculous rate, which he can't do. And all you got to do is go back and look through his like, season logs. Like He's never been this guy. Even without Derek Rose there, he's like a 28-minute point guard who has 24% usage, who doesn't really crack the top 100 at all. He's a low assist, low steals, low three-pointer guy who's on an absolute tear at the moment. And hey, by all means, add him. Let's see what happens. But I'm not thinking, oh, nah, that's it. That's it. Now Rose is gone. He's going to do all this because... We've got six, seven years of him not being able to do it. Why, coming back from a back injury, do we think that this is not just a, a weird four-game sample? As for Wood, um, interestingly, he played next to Drummond quite a bit in yesterday's game, and that's encouraging. Um, there were times when it would just be Drummond would play 34 and he'd play 14 minutes, and that gave him no value outside of a stash. But if they're going to play him 21 minutes, and with the way they are souring on Sekou Dumbaya at the moment, I think we're going to see more wood at power forward. I think he's got to be rostered in all leagues at this stage with you know, Casey suggesting maybe Sekou needs to go back to the G League for a bit. Yeah, with that upside, you got to roster him in competitive leagues. Thoughts on Trevor Ariza? Still owned in just 35% of Yahoo. Looks like locked in the new small forward role in Portland. Even uh, had an okay game with McCollum back too. I thought his usage would totally drop off there. But thoughts on Ariza? Um it's much much like when looking at Jackson, what he's doing doesn't seem very real. Now, the three game, look, I there's no doubt he is their starting small forward and there's no doubt he's going to play, you know, 30 plus minutes. Kent Bazemore also did that and didn't do anything. But Ariza in these three games is shooting 59% from the field. It's not going to happen. He's a 40% three-point shooter. He, You should be looking at him as a guy that can give you steals. Like there's a, no problem with that. He will give you pretty decent steal numbers and he will hit some threes. But what he's doing at the moment, irrespective of CJ or not. One game with CJ was really bad. One game with CJ was really good. He also shot 67% in that one game where he was good with CJ. These are yeah, outlier type performances where I think looking at him instead of being a 17-point guy, like a 10-point guy, a 9-point guy with 1.3 to 1.5 steals and, and maybe 1.5 triples, if that works for you, fine. But what we've seen in these first three Portland games to me is not. like He's averaging 16 and 5 with almost three triples and 59% shooting. Like, that's not real. Like, no one, especially not 35-year-old Trevor Reza, is going to be able to keep that up.
No, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely playing over his head. Uh, a couple other names I want to ask you. Jeremy Grant, he should be owned in all competitive leagues, especially with Millsap banged up. Uh, Chris Boucher, the water boy, thoughts on him maybe being unleashed if Gasol's injury is serious. And then Cam Reddish, as mentioned earlier, he's the top guy on the Yahoo added of today. Um, Boucher is one of those guys like Christian Wood who puts up the yeah, exactly. big per minute numbers. Yeah. But when Gasol was injured earlier this season, Boucher didn't really do anything to get us excited. And that was a time when Siakam was also out and he had occasional flashes, but then he would just play you know, 14 minutes behind Serge Ibaka. So I wouldn't be rushing to add him. Um, he has that, it's tantalizing and you'll have the big game. You'll have 20 and 10 in 17 minutes and you go, oh man, here we go. And then he has you know, four and two with, with you know, nothing happening in the next game. So he is a little bit, uh, a little bit all over the place in terms of that. Who was the other guy you asked me about? Cam Reddish. Oh, yeah, Cam Reddish. Now, Cam Reddish was a guy that when, obviously, his shooting was horrible in college, but one thing that, or two things that drew me towards him in terms of a fantasy prospect was a really high steal rate and a really high three-point attempt rate, and that's exactly what he's doing now. I don't have trust that he's going to be a big scorer or do anything apart from those things, but like Trevor Ariza, if you can hit threes and you can get steals, like there is value there with him. I think he's probably a better fantasy prospect than DeAndre Hunter on that team. Um, because of his ability to generate those steals, which Hunter just refuses to do, and he's hitting threes at a high level. I think he's probably more of like a 14-team league guy, but again, if you need those numbers, by all means, take a flyer on him and see what happens. But he's been really inconsistent, and that's the concern. Yeah, definitely on the radar now and still available about 80% of Yahoo leagues, right? Good stuff, Josh. Uh, or in case you missed it this week, of course, it was perfect. There was Australia in the news. Uh, LaMelo Ball left Australian team supposedly without telling them. Um, his season was already over with the foot injury, but what are your general thoughts on on him and did this make big news over there? <laughs> you asked if it makes big news. I literally didn't even hear about it. Once, once he and RJ got injured, I sort of just disregarded what's happening for them in, in the rest of the NBL season. So I didn't actually see that he had left the team, but that doesn't have any impact on me whatsoever in terms of what it means for his draft stock or anything. Sure. So I guess 12 games there, he averaged 17, 7, and 7, and was the, the youngest player ever in NBL history to make a triple-double. Uh, your thoughts on him and the top pick? I'm a, I'm a Warriors fan, so I want to know what's going on with these top guys. D'Angelo Russell, what's your prediction on what happens with, with that situation? I don't think Russell's getting traded this season. I think they might look at it in the offseason, but I also think they want to see what would happen with a Clay-Russell-Curry combination. This top of this draft is not great. I think this draft is is deep-ish. I think you've got probably a bunch, you know, instead of having, you know, 10 top 10 guys, you might have 15 top 10 guys, but no top four sort of players, that sort of a range. So if you're picking at 16, you might, you know, it might be really good because you can get a, a top 10-ish level player. But if you're picking at the top, then like, what are we doing here? Like, are we taking Anthony? Are we taking uh, Edwards? Are we taking Wiseman? Is it Ball? Like, there's so many flaws with most of these guys. There's no real standout option there. Um, I think that if the Warriors would be trading Russell because they want to take a point guard, I, don't, I think that's the wrong decision because the odds are probably favoring Russell being better than all of those guys at the top of the draft. And um, yeah, I, I just I don't know what they're going to do. It is really tough because they're just not going to see that combination this season. I think that they will continue to roll with D'Angelo this season. And, and unless they get blown away, they'll probably keep him in the offseason as well. Yeah, it's not a great year, apparently, to have a, a horrible record in the NBA with a, this incoming class. But uh, all right, Josh, thanks for and sorry that I shook all of Australia letting you know, by the way, the ball left unbeknownst to the team. I uh, apologize for that. And uh, thank you. Uh, pre- appreciate it. Good stuff, man. No worries. Thanks, Dalton. 
Sure. We'll be back uh, next week. So remember to subscribe, write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, and tell a friend about the show. You can send us questions. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Follow Josh at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Follow me at Dalton Beldon. And be sure not to follow Andy Behrens, who's off vacationing for I don't know how long. But thanks for listening. We're out. And remember, go Niners.